Hey, everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball. Jamie Rutsky on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud, my personal favorite. Yes, we are back and better than ever after a brief vacation. Oh, my goodness gracious, the rigors of this podcast made it necessary for me to take a few days off and just enjoy uh, quarantining from COVID. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's been good. I think the uh, tide is about to turn, the vaccine's around the corner, and uh, everybody mask up and stay safe. Uh, That is not a paid political commercial, folks. Put the mask on, go outside and enjoy life, but double mask. Yeah, double mask. Anyway, back and better than ever. I stole that line from Mike and Mike in the morning. Actually, Mike and Mike in the morning are no longer Mike and Mike anywhere. Uh, Greeny apparently decided that greener pastures were uh, ahead for him, so he's got a boring show. And uh, Golik, who you know, tried to enlist the help of his kid, went south. So he may be unemployed. Greeny's got a show. And only ESPN can bungle a pretty good show and turn it into two bad shows. So anyway, uh, that's not really baseball. And you know it's not really light, which is pretty much what we have. Speaking of not baseball, let's talk about the Bears. Could there be a worse football team? Could there be a worse general manager? How does Ryan Pace still have a job? I don't know, but I'll tell you what, there is one general manager slash president of baseball operations. Isn't it amazing how, uh, you know, in just a few decades since when uh, most of my listeners were a little younger, uh, the general manager ran things. Now you got a president of baseball operations, you got a CEO, you got a president in waiting. I mean, it's like uh, ExxonMobil, which is another company that may not uh, quite have made the, uh, made the grade. But be that as it may. I'm talking about none other than Theo Epstein. Out the door. See you later. Uh, and it was like it was kind of like the parting of Joe Madden. It was all love and kisses. See you later. Uh, I'm leaving a year shy of my ten-year project. Theo kept saying, and I think this was comical. That after ten years, uh, typically you overstay your welcome. And I think nobody knows that better than Theo who had to sneak out of Boston in a Halloween costume when he was uh, coming down from taking the Red Sox out of, you know, their blahs, and he brought them a world championship and post-Babe Ruth. He did the same thing for the Cubs. So he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. Kudos to Theo. He's got, uh, you know, the resume of bringing the Cubs out of the doldrums, the Red Sox out of the doldrums. But here's the thing, man, with both the Red Sox and the Cubs, he had had the whole world in his hands, and I won't sing that song, although some of my listeners kind of like it when I sing a little bit of uh, baseball music, but in the last song I cited, the whole world, anyway, I digressed. He had... Everything to gain and nothing to lose. And what's he do? He just goes south of both franchises. Goes south. And uh, I can tell you, if you listen to my podcast ever, you know that I was not a Theo fan. I mean, I I give Theo credit where credit is due. And if Theo had just stuck with being a general manager slash president of baseball operations, everything would have been great. Great. But no, he's got to become a batting coach, become a pitching coach, become, 
you know, a Tom Verducci wannabe, I guess. I don't know. There I go, talking about MLB Network. Not a big Verducci fan. I don't think Verducci had a cup of coffee in the major leagues, but he sure acts like it. Anyway, be that as it may, Theo's gone, and I think Jed Hoyer will do a good job. Hopefully he'll, uh, you know, again, here's a misnomer. Now, Hoyer was the general manager, and now he goes upstairs to be whatever Theo was, and then we're going to go get a new general manager. And I don't know what they do. Uh, hopefully, you know, if you want to save a few bucks, Tom, and apparently you do because you're entertaining getting rid of Chris Bryant, big mistake. Entertaining getting rid of Hugh Darvish, big mistake. You know, belly up to the bar and spend your money and go over the frigging salary cap, which isn't called a salary cap, the luxury tax. <laughs> it's just crazy. And not a big Manfred fan either. But anyway, again, I digressed. Maybe I should call this show Digression on the Lighter Side of Baseball. But anyway, things are good. Theo's gone. Uh, we get rid of one guy. And then across town, my buddy Jerry Reinsdorf brings in the worst guy he could have picked to manage the Chicago White Sox. The worst. The worst. T-Bone Tony La Russa. And you know what you do when you're at a restaurant? The waiter brings, you order a T-Bone steak, medium rare, and you are just excited to get that T-Bone, maybe have a baked potato with sour cream and butter, 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 <laughs> and a batter. And what do you get? You get a T-bone that's overdone, grizzly. And what do you do when the waiter brings you an overdone, grizzly T-bone? You send it back to the garbage can in the kitchen. And that's just what T-bone La Russa should have just rested on his laurels. Oh, my goodness gracious. And just truth in advertising, I don't like La Russa. He was the first guy to fire David Earl Nelson. Uh, from the what Jerry Reinsdorf called the best coaching staff ever amassed in Major League Baseball. And what does T-Bone do? He gives the ax to my buddy Dave Nelson. And sure, what else would you do but fire the first base coach after your team wins a division? I guess he didn't like Jerry Dubzinski's base running blunder. And he blamed that on Nelly. I, who knows? I don't like La Russa. I think he's overrated. And uh, so Jerry, shame, shame, shame. He gave the boot to Rick Renneria, who incidentally was in the finals for the Manager of the Year Award. Didn't get it, but he should have. So, with a guy who I really like, a guy who I admire, Mr. Jerry Reinsdorf, the chairman, he has a quality of loyalty that is really unparalleled in Chicago sports other than the McCaskies maybe not firing one bad coach after another until it's too late. But what Jerry would do is to a fault. He would, it wasn't a fault, it's nice. Look, it's his team. He, he paid what he paid for it. He's loyal to his investors. He showed that loyalty when they bought the Bulls. And, you know, God love him. I mean, he's I'm sure getting older and wants to do whatever the hell he wants. And if that's to smoke a stogie with Tony after a ball game, God love him. It's his team. But he made a big mistake. Now, it's not to say that LaRusso is not going to win the World Series. I don't know. Who knows? He's got a bunch of great players. And, 
you know, the front office from Kenny Williams on down is good. I have to be kind of interesting to see how Kenny and Tony get along. That ought to be kind of interesting. And anyway, bad move. Uh, you you stick with Gian way too long. You stick with Ventura way 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 too long. And you give the axe to Ricky Renneria. I don't know. Now in the off season, the White Sox did make a good move. They picked up the voice of the Chicago Cubs, Len Casper. How about that, folks? I mean, whatever the name of that horrendous production channel that the Cubs ended up getting. Uh, I can't, you know, I can't even remember now. It's been a few months since they had a broadcast. Number one, their broadcast quality was pathetic. I understand why Casper decided to hit the road. And he went over to the south side, which, you know, it's just the opposite of what Harry Carey did. Harry started on the south side, went north. Lance started on the north side, and he goes south. Um, I don't know. I think that... Um, when the when the Cubs got rid of WGN, shame, shame, shame. Who the squad that replaced WGN, the production was horrible, horrible. They got their own network, so they're stuck with them. God love them. It's just another great move that um, you know their business guru, not John McDonough, not the guy that hired, that brought the. Uh, Blackhawks and the Cubs to wonderful success. No, Craig Kenny, the the guy that is just, I don't get it. Boy, I don't get it. Pigs get fat. Hogs get slaughtered. People, come on. Anyway, didn't mean to get negative. I wish Casper the best. He's not my favorite guy. You know my favorites. Bob Euchre, Dwayne Stats, Tom Hamilton. These guys are good. Len's okay. I wonder if what what the heck's going to happen to his sidekick. I don't know, man, because the sidekick is better than Len. And uh, you know, Len's going to do radio, so you know you got to pick up. You got to pick it up. You can't just let the TV picture tell the story. You got to tell the story. You got to paint the words. Now, I'd say take a little lesson from Bob Euchre. Bob doesn't talk too much. I talk too much. Euchre doesn't. I'm not comparing myself to Euchre. Let me tell you. There's no comparison. God love you. And uh, and 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 so Dwayne stats on TV. But but Land Casper, um, you know, even with or without uh, his Jim Deshaies, Jim Deshaies, JD, uh, DJ, JD, um, <clears throat> whatever, he's gonna have to pick it up. And uh, God, it's just gonna be. I just went. I, I mean, I. I grew up a Sox fan, you all know that. And and then I became a Cubs fan. Some of you know that. And I was just about to go back to this great dynamic lineup that the White Sox have put together. What do they do? They go out and hire Larusa. Can't do it. Can't do it. Couldn't do it for Larusa, couldn't do it for Hargrove, couldn't do it for Yost. If he, any of those bosos got the jobs. Now, the flip side is I think the Royals are going to be stronger than ever. I'm excited about the Royals. And uh, so we'll keep the season tickets for a couple more years, and uh, we'll get on down the road. So what's that road going to be? Well, we're going to do a little different format for the next three podcasts, including this one. We're going to have a nine-inning affair. Yes, we're going to do three innings today. 
three innings tomorrow and three innings on Saturday. And then next Wednesday, we're going to be back with Craig Kashan, the voice of not only the Milwaukee Bucks, but those Milwaukee Brewers. And everybody loves it when Kashan takes the microphone and helps me out on the lighter side of baseball. And then we're going to try to hook up with uh, Dwayne Stats in another week. And it's going to be exciting because two months till pitchers and catchers report. That's right, two months. So here's the first inning. First inning is just kind of an opening dialogue that I have been engaged in. And I tell you what, I needed a break because um, the 2020 season was sad. And it deserves less than an asterisk. I don't know what's less than an asterisk. But, I mean, they shouldn't have played. That was my position. They did play. They got through the end of the year. They got the TV money, da-da-da-da-da. And the owners and the players did nothing but stoke the fires that's going to haunt them when they try to negotiate their next uh, um, collective bargaining agreement, which is coming up at the end of this year. This year being the 2021 season, which I think, as we talked about, Way back in Jan in February and March when the coronavirus was taking hold, we predicted there would be a vaccine available by February of 2021. And by gosh, you know, not uh, you cannot paint me as pessimistic when I'm predicting accurately the arrival of the vaccine in time for the 2021 spring training. And yes, pitchers and catchers will be there. Who gets the vaccine, when they get the vaccine, I don't know. I just think that we as Americans are going to be thankful to have the opportunity quickly to uh, get vaccinated against this horrendous disease, which has changed the landscape of all of our lives, all of our sports, and all of our entertainment. Whatever you choose for entertainment, whether you choose to travel, whether you choose to uh, go to sporting events, or whether you choose to do whatever, the... Uh, the only thing that doesn't seem to have changed is out on the golf course. And I'll tell you what, my golf game is still as bad as it ever was. But yet, we get to play, and it's, uh, you know, it's a nice diversion from this horrendous illness which has grasped our country and the world. So this vaccine's coming. I think baseball is going to gradually get back to where uh, at least I'm, I'm predicting, given the Arizona governor's position, that we might get to go see spring training games, we being fans. Now, in Illinois, with the Cubs and the White Sox, I'm not sure when Pritzker will give the green light to let Reinsdorf and Ricketts have their uh, venues full of people. It, again, it's puzzling to me how the Chiefs can have fans there, but the Giants can't, et cetera, et cetera. So I think those things will get worked out, but the vaccine's there, and that is great news. Great news. And I will not go any further with any type of, uh, uh, of political statement. The, um, the deaths from what I call the flannel period of baseball continue. And it's not, you know, we're all going to go. It's a sad truth. But we lost Richie Allen. Richie, call me Dick Allen. Oh, my goodness gracious. There couldn't have been. Many more colorful guys in the eras of 1960s and 1970 baseball than the legendary, eligible for the Hall of Fame. And in inning number two, we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame a little bit, but right now, Richie Call Me Dick Allen, the guy could flat out hit. Oh, my goodness. 
He was with the White Sox. He was with the Phillies. He was entertaining. And, you know, so this is back when the 1972 set of Topps baseball cards were it. You know, there weren't 14 other kinds of baseball cards. And there weren't 700 players on it, you know, in a set. It was a confined group of players, and so you got to know these guys in the Hall of Fame is doing a special tribute on these cardboard favorites, which are also known as baseball cards, which I love. And that'll be inning number three today. We're going to talk a little bit about memorabilia and some of the favorite memorabilia that I've got. But back to Dick Allen. The, you know, Philadelphia, where he played most of his career, um, had a reputation not only did the Sports writers get all over the players, but the fans, and everybody knows that. I mean, Cleveland's a, uh, Cleveland's a great place to play. Philadelphia, on the other hand, yeah, I digress. I jump around. I don't have a script. You know, if there's anything that you all know after listening to me for this will be the third year, I don't have a script. Pretty obvious. And uh, every now and then I do make a mistake. But be that as it may, Richie called me Dick. He, you know, in Philadelphia, they laughed that when Santa Claus would come by uh, in a parade, the fans at the parade would boo Santa Claus. And Dick Allen had his share of being booed by the fans. And there's a great Sports Illustrated picture of Dick Allen playing first base in the latter part of his career in Philadelphia. And an aerial photograph was taken of the beautiful ground perfectly manicured around first base in Philadelphia. And this was before the cookie cutter ballparks were built. So there was dirt in the infield. For a while, Philadelphia just had these little spots of dirt. And where there was a spot of dirt, you really couldn't spell out a word because nobody would see it, it'd be so small. But with the old turf and dirt, and a beautifully manicured infield, Dick Allen wrote out in gigantic letters, B-O-O, boo. Hey, it's funny. Classic. One of the great Dick Allen stories. And there are many, many, many Dick Allen stories. Played for the White Sox. Great player. And uh, I hope he gets in the Hall of Fame. So anyway, that uh, it's a sad loss. We've lost, you know, Whitey Ford. We've lost um, Bob Gibson. We've lost Joe Morgan. Uh, Tom Seaver. Man, oh, man. You know, a veritable... Plethora, big word. I learned that in my first year of law school. So there was a plethora of, I can't remember if that must have been a Justice White opinion. Maybe it was about, I don't know. Anyway, that's a digression that I'll say for my law school podcast, <laughs> which will never happen. Anyway, um, we are pleased to be back after a nice little uh, break. We um, last were podcasting about two people that were on the show, uh, Jeff Idelson and his wonderful, beautiful photographer, Gene Fruth, who put together a book that I was trying to sell for everybody called Grassroots Baseball, Where Legends Begin. And it's a beauty, and I hope you guys all went out and got it. And then at the end of the podcast, uh, we we're able to get the legendary Wayne Metcalf on our podcast. And then if you'll recall, if you listened, if you were some of the thousands of people that listen to this podcast on a regular basis, 
you'll recall that uh, Wayne was going to be the uh, honorary chairman for the holiday parade in Baxter Springs, which, unbeknownst to me, was uh, was just a um, bastion for youth baseball. And Wayne was the Connie Mack of Baxter Springs baseball. And so Wayne was going to be honored in a parade, but they canceled the parade due to COVID-19. And next year, God willing, Wayne will get the opportunity to be the Grand Marshal of the Baxter Springs Holiday Parade. Now, in the meantime, between now and then, that's what the meantime is, he will be kind of the big wig at the Baxter Springs opening day. Big wig. And as I understand it, Jeff Idelson, former president of the National Baseball Hall of Fame, and Gene Fruth will travel to Baxter Springs as they prepare their second publication on baseball along Route 66. Yeah, Route 66. They'll be in Baxter for the opening day, and I'll be there along with Wayne's son and daughter-in-law. Uh, and Metro knows who he is. So, looking forward to that. That'll be great. I hope you guys went out and bought that book. It's cool. Speaking of what I was uh, selling on the last podcast, Papa Kino's. Yeah, Papa Kino's is open, folks. Yes, if you're anywhere within a five-state radius, (laughs) radius, you got to come on down to 148th and Metcalf or thereabout. You know, when he starts paying me a lot of sponsorship fees, I'll come up with the right address. Papa Kino's is open and putting out pizzas, and they are delicious. I'm telling you what. Now, you go, wait a minute. I thought you were on the Joe DiMaggio diet, and I am. I want to talk about the Joe DiMaggio diet again because I am on game number 12, day 12. Yep. Now, yesterday, and there were times, and we'll go over Joe D's hit streak sometime here, as I've promised to do, game by game. There were some days that he got a couple hits. He never... He didn't have too many big days. A hit here, hit there. But for 56 days, he had hits. For 56 days, I'm going to diet. Now, Joe D didn't exactly go four for four every day. And yesterday, because uh, my buddies opened Papa Kino's, I ordered a couple pizzas and uh, split them with friends and family a little bit. But I may have overindulged a little bit. So I'm going to say that I stayed on the diet and went one for four. Okay, that saves my streak. Today is the 12, day 12 on Sunday, day 14, and that puts me halfway there. So for you folks that are looking for a diet, let me tell you what, my diet book will be coming out in the fall, and it'll be Dieting with Dimash. Huh? Catchy, eh? Yeah, that'll be good. So let's take a break, and we'll come back after a little bit of music for inning number two. And this is a new format. I'm not going to follow it very often. I may never follow it again. But I thought of this, and uh, by God, uh, it's my show, my dime, and uh, my fun. So remember, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, anywhere you go, you can hear me. So we'll be right back after a short break.
Hey everybody, we are back. Yes, back and still better than ever. We are we are just kicking button. With second inning, we're going to talk about we were going to talk about the Hall of Fame and the uh, the new folks that might get into the Hall of Fame and the voting, and then we'll get into steroids, gambling, and uh, the baseball greats that aren't in the Hall of Fame: Pete Rose, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, blah 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 blah. Kurt Schilling's pretty close. I don't know why people just don't like Kurt. I don't like Kurt as a fan. I don't know Kurt. Could be a great guy. Seems to be a little extreme for my views. But, you know, he was a pretty good pitcher, and uh, maybe he should get in. But let me tell you what what pitcher should get in this time on the first ballot. None other than, and, and this will give it away a little bit. He should be on the commissioner's, he should be the chairman of Mighty Manfred's committee to speed up baseball. Yes, we're talking about none other than Mr. Burley of the Chicago White Sox. Woohoo, Mark Burley. He could pitch a game and be home for the 9 o'clock movie on TV. Yeah, buddy, the Marquee Network. That's it. Ugh, shouldn't have even thought about it. Anyway, he wouldn't. the sponsors would not really like Burley because he pitched too fast. Now, he got the ball and he threw the ball, got the ball and threw the ball, got the ball and threw the ball. That, that seems to be what you and I want as fans, but not what happens. So, before we talk about the Hall of Fame, a little break. Uh, the season was just a joke, and I cannot believe that anyone accepted a postseason award. I can't believe, other, if, if it wasn't half of the offseason for MLB Network, uh, they probably wouldn't have had postseason awards, really. The MVP for 60 games, Cy Young Award winner, who, what, they, they made nine appearances? What, what a joke. Uh, but, be that as it may, they did. And the funny thing, and I think it's funny, and I think the joke's on the uh, owners, when they put together this crazy attempt to get the, the pot of gold, the playoff money, the owners would only agree to pro-rate pro rate the players for the number of games that uh, Major League Baseball had a performance. So if, if there were 60 games, which there were, the players got um, you know, 60, 162nd of their salary. But they didn't, they didn't remember to pro-rate the, the bonuses. So these guys, and every one of them had a bonus if they won Cy Young. Hugh Darvish had a big, huge bonus if he won or got in the top three for Cy Young, which he did, and he did, and he got it. And although he didn't disclose the amount, he, he did indicate that he'd give away some to, uh, to uh, charity. That's great. But let me tell you why they had, post why they had a World Series beyond me other than it's the money. Somewhere over the rainbow is the pot of gold. And they got it. Now, be, and again, there are lots of, you know, awards that went out. It was just a stupid season. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It was a boring, boring playoff, I think. Now, some people go, oh, are you kidding me? This was a great playoff. These games were great. No, they're not great. There are no fans. Nothing is great from my Webster Dictionary when fans don't get to go. And you go, well, you know, they let fans in for the World Series. Eh, come on. They played at a neutral site, which is a horrible idea. 
They both had DHs, which is a horrible idea. And they played when there were virtually um, no travel, no days off. And the whole thing was just a big, big charade to get the money. And I, everybody want, is entitled to money. I, you know, they managed to stave off most of the COVID. So that's great. But what just came out um, in the last day or two, um, and this isn't the Hall of Fame, but in any number two, I, I do um, my podcast and I, I reserve the right to call an audible. So I am. I'm intrigued by what they call the all-time MLB uh, team, the all-MLB time. I guess there's an all-time MLB time, and we'll go to that in a minute, and I'm looking at that for the first time. And I'm looking at the all-MLB. All-MLB, come on. You know, you want to call it the uh, Rawlings Gold Glove guys, or you want to call it the Silver Slugger guys, what? Here's... Here's another big awards for these guys. And, you know, it's based on 60 games. And, you know, sometimes they pick guys that really didn't play all 60 games and others that didn't. But, you know, I don't have I, – let me – I think, you know, I, I forgot this podcast. been going on two years. I think I have heard of almost everybody on this team, first team. Here we go. I agree with the catcher. By God, you cannot go wrong with the class of the Kansas City Royals, Salvador Perez. What a stud. You know, he's had some knee problems, but he's got a bad contract. Bad contract. He never, ever gripes about it. But Mr. Sherman, find, you know, do you guys remember Rocky and Bullwinkle and they'd have Sherman and Peabody? Now, Mr. Sherman is the owner. And in the offseason, he added none other than Patrick Mahomes to the ownership list. Smart move, man, because I think Mahomes could probably go into the bullpen on most major league teams. But be that as May's a little busy on Sundays and the way the NFL plays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, maybe Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, man, I'll tell you what. The last guy, this is, this, is, this is so true, the last guy that I thought, and when I thought this, I really didn't ever pay for a ticket, so it wasn't like this is going to be the people I'd pay to go see. The last guy in the NFL that I would have paid to go see play, and I did see him play uh, a few games, the Kansas Comet, the greatest running back in the history of the NFL, sorry, Jim Brown, and sorry to a few of you other imposters, Gail Sears, the Kansas Comet, none other than. And you go from 1960s all the way to 2020, Patrick Mahomes, man. I would pay and did pay to go to the Super Bowl. Paid a lot. And uh, he's unbelievable. He is fun to watch. And I've never seen a football team where the coach uh, – you know, and it's it's spread over to the defense too, where the coach says, you know, we want these guys to have a little fun, so we let them drop a few plays and call a few audibles and do things that they like to do, come up with their own nicknames and their own audibles. It's cool. Hats off to Andy Reid and his staff. It's it's fun. It's fun football. And um, you know, even this last game is the first time 
Andy Reid had ever seen it happen. Certainly the first time I'd ever seen it happen. But Mahomes throws, and this could hurt him trying to get into the NFL Hall of Fame because it's going to affect his lifelong stat. He throws a pass to Tyreek Hill in the end zone that Hill bobbles, falls down, rolls over, and the ball lands in his lap, and it never, ever, it touched a couple defenders, never touched the ground, and they didn't call, they called it incomplete, and Hill didn't tell Reed, and then the Chiefs hurried and got the kick away. I don't know why they did that either, and they lost out on a touchdown, and it's going to, that's going to be a major effect on poor Patrick Mahomes' stats for the rest of his life. Probably affect a bonus for Hill. Sad day. Sad day. Chiefs went on to win. Barely squeaked out a victory. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. So, we've gotten through the first player on this gigantic team. And uh, so we'll go through some of these other guys I don't have a lot to say about. But some I do. And it's fun if you don't like to listen. Too bad. Uh Nah, I know everybody likes to listen. This is kind of fun. And it's no, no, it's December. Wow, time flies. Okay, um, the first baseman. I can't disagree with this either, although Rizzo, hmm, Rizzo didn't even make the second team, I hate to tell you. In fact, in fact, this kind of justifies my critique of the Cubs. They ain't got anybody on the first team other than you, Darvish. God love Darvish. Did he do a frigging 180-degree turnaround on the Cubs? This guy went from who the hell signed him to the backbone of the staff. Get rid of Lester. Get rid of Cole Hamels. Maybe we'll get rid of Hendricks, too. And oh, by the way, you know, we got you. Dar now they're starting to think, well, maybe we'd use you as a little bit of trade bait. Come on. Come on, Ricketts. Keep the team together. Improve. Maybe get a leadoff man. Huh? Maybe get a leadoff man. I haven't had a leadoff man since Dexter Fowler in the World Champion 2016 Cubs. Anyway, isn't this fun? I can just go on and on and on. The next guy happened to be a Cub when he was drafted, but he's not a Cub anymore. He could be. He's a free agent this year. The guy can hit. The guy can play anywhere. The guy is the biggest second baseman that I've ever seen. DJ LeMayhew. Woo-hoo-hoo for LeMayhew. Guy's great. Um, I don't know where he's going to sign. Went from the Cubs, where nobody had ever heard of him, to the Rockies, where people did hear of him. This guy wins batting titles. This guy is the most underrated guy in the major leagues. The most underrated guy in baseball. Uh, so there's DJ LeMayhew, number, uh, number one in my heart. Uh, then you've got probably the most exciting guy behind um, Javi Baez and uh, the guy over in Cleveland, whatever his name is, who's a free agent or could get traded. Um, again, you know, I'm not, I'm going to have to go to spring training to remember names. I could Google these guys, but no way. Um, I could look on the second team and see if, nope, he didn't make second team either. Too bad. Um, Fernando Tatis, son of Tatis Sr. This is Tatis Jr. Padres, Padres, Padres. My pick. We love the Padres. Oh, my God. They have three guys on the top in both of these two lists, Padres. Uh, the next guy was on my dog watch along with Bryce Harper for a long time. He had a good year, third baseman. I don't think he should be on this team. 
Nolan Arenado ought to be on this team. Huh. Anyway, or the Dodgers third baseman, but they picked Manny Machado. Yeah. Boring. Now, hey, you know, he's all right. In the outfield, the guy that uh, deserted the Boston Red Sox along with Theo Epstein, Mookie Betts, the best player in baseball in year in and year out, Mike Trout. He and Betts form a pretty good pair. Uh, Juan Soto, who's supposedly going to be the next, I don't know what, he's good, but he's with the Nationals. Uh, then you got Marcelo Zuna, who's trade bait or a free agent with the Braves. The Braves seem to get a guy and lose a guy, get a guy, lose a guy. Um, what's the singer, Bieber? Justin Bieber, his brother, Shane, on the starting pitching, along with you, Max Fried, and Jacob deGrom. That's the starting pitching. Bieber, Bauer, Darvish, Freed, and DeGrom. I'd take that staff. I'd take that staff in a minute. And in the bullpen, here's a guy. I mean, I, okay, Liam Hendricks, he's good. Nick Anderson, go Rays. Pretty good, real good, outstanding. I don't know if Devin Williams outstanding, but he's, he's pretty good. Second team, here we go, second team. And I'll pick this up. Don't go to sleep. Or if you do want to go to sleep, that's another big selling point of on the lighter side of baseball. I can put you to sleep. I like the second team. This guy is great. He's a free agent, too. JT Real, Muto. Um, the Phillies come and go. <laughs> they come and go. Uh, they, 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 they go deep sea fishing for some tropical beauties, and they kind of wilt when they get there. Uh, does a tropical fish wilt? No, doesn't wilt, but Bryce Harper. Dog with Machado. Dog, 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 dog. <laughs> Real Muto, great catcher. Jose Abreu. You know what? He's like the ever, is it the ever-ready bunny? He's like that bunny guy. He just doesn't go away. He's solid. He, he keeps ticking. Like the old, uh, oh, man, um, the watch. Timex, it keeps ticking. There was a catchy little slogan that some of you old guys like me uh, would remember. Uh, it takes a beating, but it, no, that doesn't rhyme. Anyway, Abreu. Brandon Lau, I'd say low, but he says Lau. And I'd let Dwayne Stats talk about him. Corey Seeger and the, uh, the band, the Seeger band, Bob Seeger and the the uh, All Blues Band or the Blue, whatever, I don't remember. Seeger, good shortstop, his brother's good. Jose Ramirez, the guy that almost beat the Cubs in the World Series. You know, third base. Where in the heck is Nolan Arenado? Then you got Acuna with the Braves. He's great. I mean, and I didn't pronounce the little thing over the end right. I did take Spanish for a number of years. Ronaldo Acuna Jr. I wonder what his dad did. Braves, he's okay. The guy I love, this guy is solid. This guy I'd like to represent. He, this guy should use me as his agent if I had anybody in my agency business, which I don't. Mike Yastrzemski, Yaz. I mean, 10 bucks and a free pizza to anybody that can spell Yastrzemski. Couldn't do it with Carl, and uh, his, uh, his grandson is great. Mike Yastrzemski. Uh, Mike Conforto had one big year. Give me a break. I wouldn't put him on that list. Nelson Cruz, too old to be on the list. Uh, you know, there's a pitcher for the Padres that I got to tell you, to my big Padre fans, Bobby, boy, I don't remember this guy, Dinelson Lamette. I think Lamette 
might have been that kid that won the U.S. Open and had that movie, The Greatest Game Ever Played, and uh, never turned pro. Might have spelled the name differently, but anyway, I don't care about this guy other than one of my most loyal listeners is a Padre fan, so hoorah for Lamette. Garrett Cole, one of the top four pitchers in baseball. Clayton Kershaw, same deal. He's an enigma, man. You know, Kershaw's an enigma. He's got the weirdest delivery in baseball and the best results. So hats off to the Highland Park, Texas stud, Clayton Kershaw. Kent Maeda, shame on the Dodgers for getting rid of this guy. Pretty funny. And speaking of the Dodgers getting rid of this guy, here's another guy the Dodgers got rid of. Uh, Ray Yu, R-Y-U, however you spell it, how you ever say it. That's how you spell it. They get rid of Maeda and Rayu and Kershaw. They would have three guys on the all team, the all team, and and then you got Brad Hand uh, in the bullpen along with um, Devin Williams. So there you go. That's it. Hall of Fame. Let's talk briefly about the Hall of Fame before we head to the third inning. Now, in the Hall of Fame, the guys from last year get in. So yeah, you're gonna have to live with. Uh, the broadcaster that got in, none other than the Hawk. Oh, my God. The Hawk. He's getting in. And then there's some other guys that are getting in that I couldn't even begin to tell you without Googling who's going into the Hall of Fame. Isn't that terrible? I mean, here, I love the Hall of Fame. I've got the uh, Hall of Fame almanacs. I've got, you know, the former president of the Hall of Fame on this show. And I can't even tell you. Um, maybe Pedro Guerrero, um, maybe Lee Smith. I know. I don't know if he got in the year before. Man, it's bad. But anyway, for somebody that wanted to have an inning on the Hall of Fame, I should know more about the Hall of Fame than I do. But speaking of the Hall of Fame, I've already talked about Mark Burley. I've already talked about, um... Who did we just talk about uh, that, that I didn't think? Oh, Schilling. So let's talk about the guys we talk about every year. Oh. Now, remember back in March or April, I thought, well, maybe the COVID-19 experience in the country is going to help the steroid boys get in. And that would be none other than Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and I'm sure there's another guy out there that never is going to get in because of the because uh, the steroids. Uh, Sammy, why not Sammy? Why not Mark McGuire? Oh my God, these guys were legendary. Brought back baseball. They should be in the Hall of Fame, along with Roger Maris. How can Roger Maris and Joe Jackson not be in the Hall of Fame? If you're going to put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame ever, or Barry Bonds, put Joe Jackson, the best, maybe the best player ever. Speaking of the best player ever. Let's see what the, um, there's just not that many guys that are, uh, uh, Omar Vizquel, I think, you know, I've got an autographed baseball from Omar, he should get in. Uh, the all ML, all-time MLB team is no different than the uh, things that we just went through, so that's a disappointment. I was going to say, you know, let's go through the, um, the all-time greats who would be on the all-time MLB list, and so you've got Ty Cobb you know, in the outfield. You've got um, Willie Mays in the outfield, and you've got Hank Aaron in the outfield, and I'm sure there's, 
some other guys that we could talk about. You got Greenberg at third. I think I put him there. You've got the greatest all-time shortstop. I don't know, man. It's tough. Lou Gehrig, obviously. And uh, who's the greatest catcher in the history of the game? Well, he's uh, from the Negro Leagues, Josh Gibson. So he's not going to be on the all-time MLB list. But uh, is it Yogi Berra? Probably not. Is it Roy Campanella? Probably not. Um, I have to think about that. Johnny Bench probably is. Carlton Fisk probably isn't. So there you go, Jackie Robinson at second. I'll put Aparicio at short, although some people would say that uh, Luke Appling and others would be the all-time there. I don't know. I think maybe we'll do that a little bit of that later uh, in maybe inning number four tomorrow or five or six. So uh, there we go. We have finished up second inning. It's a tie game, three to three. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little memorabilia. Yeah, memorabilia. So don't go away. It's going to be a thrill. Hold on. my favorite subject. And I'm telling you what, I'm just in a great mood. It's a great, great time of the year. We're coming on the holidays. Yesterday was the first day of Hanukkah. And in 13 days, it's Christmas Eve, followed by Christmas, and then New Year's Eve, followed by New Year's, and then February 14th, when pitchers and catchers report. Woohoo! Anyway, it's great. Let's all be happy for everything we've got. Thanksgiving, a little different this year with the uh, coronavirus. Anyway, we've dwelled on that. Let's talk memorabilia. And I want to talk about three of my favorite pieces of memorabilia. And this show could go on for decades because if I go through all my memorabilia, which is important to me, it, you know, I don't know, get not very little bit is authenticated. And I, no, I didn't go and <laughs> write Sandy Koufax on this baseball behind me. No, they're all legitimate. Some I got myself pretty much, I'd say 80% of my memorabilia I got myself or through my good friend Dave Nelson. And uh, the rest, I don't know where it came from. But, and this is a big but, there are three that I'm going to talk about today. And when... I get with Tyler in the new year. We may stream live. We may go not only audio but video. <laughs> you guys can get to look at the set. I mean, I can't even begin to describe how spectacular this set is. But when we, if we, and when we live stream, which would be kind of different, when we do that, you can actually see some of my memorabilia. But now you just got to take my word for it. The first one, so I'm going to list these in descending order. Three, two, one, liftoff. Hey, by the way, can you believe how spectacular the space program, speaking of liftoff, is? Man, oh, man, oh, man. Whoa, Tesla to the moon soon, baby. I mean, 
their launches and their docking and their safely returning the launch vehicle to the ground for reusability, man, oh man, that is it's beyond incredible. And so, speaking of memorabilia and the space programs, I can, man, there isn't a line I can't put and draw together and connect the dots. Connect the dots. So, we're just complimenting the new space program, headed up by NASA and Elon Musk, I guess. I don't know. I really haven't studied that. I haven't prepared for that. I'm really not ready to do that. But I do, and I'm going to get right back to memorabilia. Nelly, whose collection in its entirety I obtained from Mr. Nelson, and legitimately. I've got, I've got the documentation, if anybody wants to question it. I'm kidding. No, he's going to question it. Nobody. He has a ball signed by, drumroll, drumroll, Russ. Well, there's a great movie, Christmas Vacation. I'm going to watch that tonight. No, space program, liftoff, autographs, John Glenn. How about that? I got a John Glenn baseball over there that's not in my top three, you know, but it is what it is. Top three. Number three. I did, and I played it its in entirety in the first year of this program, and you can hear it all the way through. Sound quality, not so good. I did in 1986, after the Kansas City Royals had won the World Series in 1985, I went to spring training, and I had the privilege, the benefit, and the good fortune to interview on video camera feed back to Kansas City, Dick Hauser, one of the great guys of baseball ever, one of the nicest guys I ever met. In the world, in the game of baseball, and so I did about a 20, 25-minute uh, breathtaking. If you listen to it, and wind blowing, because we really didn't have much sound quality engineering at our disposal. A fantastic interview of Dick Hauser. I loved it. My goodness gracious, it was after um, the World Series and before the All-Star Game, and we all know that um, uh, shortly after the All-Star Game, it became apparent to that he had brain cancer and um, he succumbed to that horrible disease not too long after that. But what a great interview and what a great guy. And, uh, um, you know, he makes the Nelly connection. And I've told that story, so I won't go back over it now, but I'll do it another time. So that I've got that DVD sitting over there, and that's one of my prized possessions. Uh, number two, again, something personal to me. I think everybody's heard this if you listen. Or, you know, if, and some people might sleep, but most people listen to this in its entirety. Not my wife. I don't think she's ever listened to it. And, you know, I think she just wonders how I can talk so long. Second piece of uh, memorabilia. I did an article, not on purpose. I just wrote a letter because I was mad at an article that appeared in the Chicago Daily News in the year... 1966, a man named Jimmy Cannon wrote an article after Juan Marichal hit Johnny Roseboro over there with a bat. Told everybody baseball was dead, it would never be back, wasn't the national pastime, blah, blah, blah. I took offense, and I wrote a response to the article, and the Daily News, Chicago Daily News, we're not talking about the the Podunk Daily, I mean the big time Daily News, which is no longer in business, he used to publish twice a day, along with the Tribune, gone, gone, like most papers. And if they're not gone, they're so little, it's pathetic. But they published my letter under the headline, 16-year-old goes to bat for baseball. I got that framed 
and I got it signed by none other than Juan Marichal. How cool is that? I mean, Juan, at this card show, read my article, thanked me for defending him, said it wasn't his most proud moment, and I can understand that. And uh, although he wouldn't sign the picture of him whacking Roseboro over the head with the bat, uh, he did sign the article, and that's cool, and put in their Hall of Fame. And that's, again, number two. Number one. I didn't get this signature. Um, I was born a little after the Bambino retired, and uh, this ball is a beautiful ball from the era of the 1920 Yankees when the stitches on the baseball were red and blue. Beautiful baseball. You know, they tried to bring it back in, a, in an all-star game one time. And they should because it's a beautiful ball, beautiful stitching. And the Babe Ruth autograph is, is a good quality autograph. It is authenticated, but you know, come on. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a believer in this PSA company. They've been under federal investigation. Everybody investigates these guys, you know. They're, that, that's why I'm pretty, I try to be pretty careful I've got a, another one of my favorite pieces of memorabilia is an autograph Lou Gehrig. It's probably, I don't know, uh, some people might think it's a fake. I've never had it authenticated. But this Babe Ruth signature is authenticated. Now, one of the interesting things on this Babe Ruth baseball, and it's fascinating to me, is the fact that it's also signed by Lou Gehrig, although the Gehrig autograph, unfortunately, man, it's fading and I keep this tucked away in a dark spot. Should be in a safe deposit box, but it's not. I don't even know if they have safe deposit boxes anymore. Anyway, this ball is not only signed by Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig. How cool is that? And even though it's a little bit hard to see the Gehrig, there's another autograph that has perplexed me until I went and talked to the signature of the autograph. None other than the Iron Man took place of the old Iron Man. The old Iron Man was Lou Gehrig. Man, my favorite, my idol, the guy that I think is great, one of the great players of all time. Top three. Uh, Cal Ripken signed the ball. So I tracked Ripken down with my ball, took the ball to Houston, went to a show, had Ripken sign, God only knows how many thousands of dollars worth of signatures. And then Ripken always has you take a picture with him at no extra charge. And Cal, number one, Cal's a big dude. He's tall. And it gives you an opportunity to be like, you're there. He's got a photographer taking a picture, and you're sitting there with Cal. So I go to Cal, hey, Cal. I looked up at him. I'm only 5'10", if you stretch the tape. Cal, who's probably 6'4", 6 6'5". 6 got a ball. Would you ever have signed a Babe Ruth ball? Whoa. And Cal goes, I'd sign anything anybody put in front of me. Well, would you look at this? So Cal takes it out of the plastic bag, which, you know, what am I going to, uh, excuse me, Mr. Ripken, um, that's not good for the signatures to have your oily, and I'm not telling you your hands are oily. I'm just saying we humans have oily skin. Doesn't do good with the autographs. So, you know, you're touching a Babe Ruth autograph. But I didn't. I stayed quiet. I was moot, 
or mute. I guess mute. Moot is in moot court. Another law school term for the law school podcast. Anyway, here we go. I'll get to the point. Uh, Ripken says that's my signature. I sign things so that I know that's my signature and I can verify that. So, well, can you verify Mr. Ruth's signature? He looks at me and goes, are you kidding me, dude? I said, well, I thought it was worth a try. I know you're not that old. Probably younger than me. Broke in in what, 82 rookie card? No, maybe before that. I don't know. But anyway, he's definitely younger than I am. Most of the world is. And uh, so that's the ball. Now, there's a fourth autograph on this, which to me lends incredible amounts of credibility that this ball is authentic. It's kind of like in my cousin Vinny, the prosecutor, the way he talked. Here, I'm kind of stealing his rhythmic topical talk. Authentic. Anyway, I love my cousin Vinny too. That's a great movie. Watched it before every trial. Awesome. Anyway, I'll get to the point. The other autograph was from a guy named Ben Chapman, who I looked up, and he was with the Yankees in the early 30s on the team with Ruth and Garrick. So he was there, would have signed it, signature. Wow, who, who in the world would ever forge a Ben Chapman? Now, Chapman's claim to fame, not only did he hit 300 a couple times, I think, as I researched it carefully, he, and this is kind of a crummy part of Ben, who was an incredibly southern southerner, in the movie Jackie Robinson, this guy was the manager of the Philadelphia A's in the movie, and he shouted, he was the guy shouting racial epithets at Jackie Robinson. So that's Ben Chapman. There you go. The fact that it's my number one piece of memorabilia, at least that I'm talking about today, isn't because he's on the ball. It's the great Bambino, the Sultan of Swat. You know, nowadays, you, you, these players don't have nicknames that are worth a hoot. You know, if you go Babe, Hank, Lou, you know who we're talking about. But if you, nowadays, you know, it's just not the same. I digress. Anyway, that's the end of inning number three. This has been fun. Probably gone on too long, but I don't care. It's my podcast, and I'm, I'm still uh, energetic from the Papakino pizza that I had the other day. So tomorrow, innings four, five, and six are going to be even more exciting. So until then, Jamie Rusky on Spotify and all these other deals that I talk about, wishing you nothing but a great Friday afternoon, and we will be back tomorrow for innings four. Five and six, and let me tell you, in the seven, eight, and nine, you're gonna have a little treat after the seventh inning. Who just a giveaway? Don't want to blow it. Just a little bit of a teaser. Have a great day.